Open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. This psalm, a little bit of background to this psalm, this psalm was written by David, who spake unto the Lord the words of the song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this is a psalm speaking of God's great power, and we see a praiseful and prayerful heart of David, in acknowledgement to the great things that God hath done. Let's start in verse 1 here. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord, and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also the hills moved and were shaken because he was raw. Then went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed down the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place his pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies at the brightness that was before him his thick clouds passed hailstones and coals of fire the lord also thundered in the heavens and the highest gave his voice hailstones and coals of fire he sent out his arrows and scattered them and he did shoot out lightnings and discomfort them discomfort there is vanquished vanquished them. Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered or uncovered. At thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils, he sent from above, he drew me out of many waters, out of many troubles and distresses. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. My, what a wonderful portion of scripture. And we see just in that little bit that we read how mighty our great God is, how mighty he is, and how he defends his people. He defends his people from their enemies. Let's read verses 1 to 3 again. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. These are the three verses which we'll look at tonight. Three wonderful verses from this psalm. There is so much packed into these three verses right here before us. The believer in Christ loves Christ for all that he has done for us. 
He saved us from our sins. He's delivered us from the law of God and the wrath of God, both which had a rightful claim upon us. He's delivered us many times from trials and tribulations. Oh, what trouble we could get in if the Lord didn't restrain us, right? If he didn't restrain us. And here in the first verse of our text, the psalmist, after being delivered, now remember, he's been delivered from the hands of his enemies, strong enemies. He said, enemies that are too strong for me. And our enemies are too strong for us, aren't they? They are. Think of that. The world, the flesh, and the devil alone. They're too strong for us. We're no match for any of them, but oh, our great king. He's overcome the world. He's crushed Satan's head. Right? And he, he's the one who's going to preserve us to the end, giving us victory over our own flesh. What a great God we have. What a great God we have. So here in the first verse of the text, the psalmist, after being delivered from the hands of his enemies, proclaims these wonderful words, which we're going to look at tonight here, these first three verses. And I would encourage you to read the whole psalm at home, because this whole psalm proclaims the absolute sovereignty of God. Just proclaims it. It's wonderful to read in any time for the believer, any time for the believer. And it shows us the sovereignty of God in all things. Look what David, the psalmist, sings in this first verse. And I, I love to think of these. These psalms are songs. David used to sing these songs. They're wonderful. Look at this first verse. Is this, is this not the cry of the believer's heart? I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I will love thee. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Now think of this. The love spoken of here is a, is a hearty affection. It's a hearty affection, a clinging affection. And do we not have a hearty love for our Lord in a clinging love? Because we know without him, we can do nothing. We know that he's the vine and we're just the branches. And without being attached to the vine, the branch withers and dies. And he told us in John that without me, you can do nothing. So we see here, I will love thee. Now think of this. There was a time when we didn't love the Lord in our natural state. What a miracle of grace that a believer can say this, can say, I love the Lord. That's a miracle of grace. God takes a rebel at heart who curses his name or uses his name in vain, and then he takes that rebel, he, he regenerates them, they're born again of the Holy Spirit of God, and now they cry out, I love you, Lord. That's a miracle. That's a miracle of grace, beloved. Look at David says, I, w- I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Again, this love is an intimate love. It's a love of the deepest kind. It's an agape love. Well, God loves us with an agape love, and then the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Now, we love the Lord, don't we? By that love that has been put in us by God. The love of God which has been shed abroad in our hearts. And it's a, it's a deep love. It's the deepest kind. And it's what our great God deserves, isn't it? He deserves to be loved in that way. He deserves it. He deserves it from his elect because what? He alone is worthy of it, isn't he? He's the only one worthy of our praise. He's the only one worthy of our love. This love spoken of here. Now, we love our family members, and we love our friends. I remember years ago, my daughter saying to me, when she asked me one time, she said, uh, she said, Daddy, who do you love the most? And this is after the Lord saved me, and I said, I love God the most. And she said, but don't you love me the most? And I said, my love for you is different than my love for God. I said, I love you, Mom, and I love you, Brother. And I love you, but my love for the three of you is different than my love for God. It's different. And the believer says these words with true affection. I love thee. I love thee, Lord. John Trapp says that this in the Hebrew means I will love thee dearly and entirely. Now, 
Everything we do is tainted with sin. But this love here, again, is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, beloved. And from the very, he goes on to say in the Hebrew, it means from the very root of it, the very bowels of us. And bowels in the scripture is our, our heart. So this is a true love from a regenerated heart. A true love for God from a regenerated heart. And it's very affectionate. It's, it's like, a, like a tender-hearted mom who loves her baby. That's the kind of love that's spoken of here. And you ladies who have children, you know what that means. That's a deep love that can't be broken. <laughs> My mom used to say to us, and we never tested her on it, but she said, you could do anything and I'd still love you. That's true. It's true. And this is the kind of love that the believer has for our great God now. And it's, again, it's something that Satan can't counterfeit. He cannot counterfeit this love. The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all have a claim upon our love. We love God the Father, we love God the Son, and we love God the Holy Spirit. We love them all because all of them are involved in our salvation, in its planning, in its execution, and in its application. So this love that we have for God is, is for the whole Godhead. And Lord, in our text here, um, I've mentioned this before, is translated the self-existent one or the eternal one. Jehovah, we've seen it many times in our studies in the Old Testament. This is the great I am David is speaking of. And the psalmist in this first verse proclaims a truth that all of God's people know. Now the psalmist, again, is proclaiming a truth that we all know. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Every believer knows that. As I said, that could be something that could be said by every believer. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord, and the Lord, we see here, my strength. It doesn't take us long in our Christian walk to realize that he's our strength. He's our strength. And then the older we get as we walk in grace, the more and more is manifest to us that he's our strength. And the psalmist here confesses that Christ is my strength which is being strong in the sense of being powerful in, in all things, in our salvation and in all things that come our way. He is our strength. God is the strength of our lives as believers. He's all our hope. Everything we, everything we trust our eternal soul to and in is wrapped up in Christ and him alone. We're not trusting anything we can do. It's only in Christ because we know not only what we used to be, well, we know what we are now. We were lost sinners. Now we're saved sinners. But one day, praise be to God, we'll be without sin. <laughs> That's something to look forward to, isn't it? That's something to look forward to. So God's the strength of our life. And he alone is our redemption, isn't he? Not one of us could save ourselves. No one on this earth can save themselves. But for the believer in Christ, Christ is our redemption. He's everything to us. He's our strength. And he's not, don't forget this too, he's our strength, not just through our walk in the Christian life, but through all our trials that come our way, through all the tribulations that come our way, through all the times we fall, because we do, right? Because we're sinners. He gently picks us up and keeps, you know what he does too? He keeps us on the narrow path, doesn't he? I was thinking about this this afternoon. Vicky mentioned the narrow path. And I was thinking about this this afternoon. How quickly... If we were left to ourselves, would we wander off the narrow path? Would we? But he keeps us on that narrow path. <laughs> he keeps his people. Oh, it's wonderful. He's our strength. And looking at this as the Lord is my strength, we quickly realize how weak we are as believers. 
Now, men like to pride ourselves on strength, right? But as we get older, our strength wanes, doesn't it? We cannot do the things we used to do. Now, sometimes in my mind, I think I can do the things I can do. And for about two or three days later, I find out I couldn't do that, right? Because you're stiff and sore because you went and did it. But oh my, he alone is our strength. Now, let me preface this too by saying that the list is endless why the believer in Christ should love Christ. It's endless. You could write all the reasons we should love Christ, and it would be endless. We're going to just hit on a few things from the scriptures here. Why we should love Christ. Why we as believers should love Christ. And we do love Christ. The first thing we've seen here is he's our strength. Let's read verse 2 now of Psalm 18. The scripture says here, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Look at these. We have right here in this verse reasons why we should love Christ and why we do love Christ as believers. First is here, the Lord is my rock. He's my rock. The Hebrew word here translated rock refers to a, a cleft in a cliff, a cleft in a cliff in which one may hide from their enemy. Remember David hid in caves? He couldn't find them. He was hiding in caves. That's how we are in Christ. We're hidden, hidden from our enemies. It's also translated as stronghold of Jehovah. And this speaks of David's security in our great God. And that's something that we need to be reminded of, isn't it? We need to be reminded because I remember one preacher telling me, why do we have to keep hearing the Gospels? Because we forget so quickly. We do. And so each time the Gospels preached, we're reminded of the great things that Christ does for us each day even. Not only what he did at Calvary, which is magnificent, but we're reminded of what he does for us each day. He's our strength every day. He's our rock every day. Believers are hidden in their God from the strife of tongues and the fury of the storm of trouble. The clefts of the rock of ages are safe abodes for the believer. We're kept safe in the rock of ages. We're kept safe in Christ. And what a rock we have in Christ. The believer refers to Christ in this sense when he sings rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Oh Lord, hide me under the shadow of your wings. Remember we saw that last week? Hide me. Oh, my Savior, hide till the storms of life are past. And this same word is translated rock in Isaiah. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah 32, 2. But keep your finger in Psalm 18 because we can go right back there. The same word is translated rock in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 2. Look at this. And this speaks of Christ. A man shall be in hiding place from the wind in a covert from the tempest. As rivers of water in a dry place is a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Now let me tell you, when folks used to travel in the desert, and even now, when they saw a great rock, oh, what a welcome sight that was. Because under the shadow of that rock is coolness. Coolness. I often wondered why there's trees in the middle of the fields around here. Somebody told me, I don't know if it's true, maybe Brother Neil can tell me if it's true, but it was for people to rest from the heat. It makes sense if it's true to be able to rest at at noontime after plowing and stuff back in the days. But look at this. As of a shadow of a great rock, same same Hebrew word there. Oh, let me hide myself in thee, O Lord. As a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. 
And is this not this world a weary land? Is it not a desert? We're sheltered under the great rock of the Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our text. We'll look at verse 2 again. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. The second reason for the believer to love Christ is because he's our fortress. He's our fortress. Now, again, this is just a short list of reasons why we should love Christ. It's endless. But these are just what we're looking at tonight. The Hebrew word here for fortress is translated stronghold. So the Lord is my stronghold. The English definition for fortress is this, a military stronghold, especially a strongly fortified town fit for large garrisons, a heavily protected and impenetrable building. Isn't that wonderful? That's what Christ is for his people. Now we get tossed and round by the storms of life, but never forget Christ is our stronghold. He will never let us go. What does he have to do to the trials of our life? All he has to do is say, peace, be still. This is nice and calm, isn't it? But as I said today, how we grow in, in grace is when we go through these storms in life. So we're just like Scott Richardson said, we're either going into trouble, we're in trouble, or we're coming out of trouble. And it just keeps continuing. It just keeps continuing, beloved. But never forget these precious truths before us. During all those times, the believer can say, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. We can say that through all the midst of these things that come our way. So here we see the Lord is our fortress, a stronghold. What a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ for the believer. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the believer's fortress now, right now. He's our fortress. And all who are in the fortress are kept safe. Are you in the fortress that is Christ? That's the question. Because if you are, he's an impenetrable building. He's a city that cannot be breached. Never. Scripture declares this about God's people who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept. Why are they kept? Because they're in the stronghold, beloved. They're in the stronghold. Let's look at our text again. It says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Here's another reason for the believer to love Christ. He's our deliverer. He's our deliverer. Do you know, Savior means rescuer. The Lord Jesus Christ is the believer's rescuer. He's our deliverer. And not only does our great God and King protect us all through the trials and troubles of this life, but he delivers his people from each one of them. And during the believer's hour of peril, the Lord is our deliverer. What has he delivered us from? What has he delivered us from? Well, here's just a short list, because again, it would be endless. He's delivered us time and time and time again from our trials, whether they be trials of health, whether they be trials in this world, whether they be trials amongst family members or unsaved loved ones or friends. He has delivered us time and time and time again. What else has he delivered us from? Well, praise be to God, he's delivered the believer from all our sins. All of them. So much so that the Lord says, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That's a deliverance, isn't it? That's a, we remember our own sin. God says, I don't, if you're under the blood of Christ, I don't remember your sins. Hallelujah. What a great God we have. What else has the Lord Jesus Christ delivered us from? Well, he's delivered us from the wrath of God. Many times you've heard me say that the wrath of God that was due us fell upon Christ in our place. 
And that's something that would have consumed us, just consumed us. And we read in the scriptures what the wrath of God when it fell upon people or when it fell upon places. Remember Kor and his gang, the earth just opened up and swallowed them up. And then it closed. And they went right down into the pit, the scripture says. Could you imagine Moses and the others seeing that? Well, that would give you a, a reverent, healthy fear of God, wouldn't it? I tremble just when I read that. And then think of all who were outside the ark. They laughed when the rain started. They mocked Noah. Well, after a while, when the fountains of the deep were opened up and, the, and, and rain was just coming down in buckets, they started screaming, didn't they? But it was too late. The wrath of God fell upon them. Sodom and Gomorrah, the whole city burned up by the wrath of God. My, we've been delivered from that wrath, beloved. In Christ Jesus our Lord, he paid it all. He paid it all. And one day, this hasn't happened for us who are still upon this earth, but for our brothers and sisters who've gone on to be with the Lord, one day we will be delivered by God's great power from this body of sin. And what a glorious day that'll be. We're going to see, because of the mercy and grace of God, we will see God face to face. We will see our Redeemer with his nail-pierced hands face to face. And we will be without sin. And we will join in with the heavenly choir, praising his mighty name, because he alone is worthy, isn't he? Everybody in heaven knows that God alone is worthy, that Christ alone is worthy of our praise. We know it while we're here on this earth, but oh, how we know it when we're in glory, beloved. Oh, my. And weep not for your dear loved ones who've gone home to be with you. I know it's hard for us. We do weep, though. But they do not want to come back here. They are praising the Lord in glory. They are in endless song and full of joy unspeakable. Praising the Lord. And one day, and it won't be long, because again, the life is like a vapor. We'll be there with them, we who believe. We'll be singing salvation song along with them. We'll be singing to the one who alone is worthy of all our praise. Oh my. And we'll only be singing that praise because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord continuously rescues his people, delivers his people from trials and tribulations which come our way. No matter what the trial that comes our way, and we are no match for them, he is mightier still. He is mightier still. Look here in in Psalm 18 here, verse 6. Look what David proclaims here. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him even unto his ears. Our God is the true and living God. He hears the prayers of his saints. He hears the beloved. And then look at verse 46 to 48. None, think of this too, none can deliver but God. None can deliver from our sins, but God. None can deliver us from the wrath of God, but God. None can present us to the Father faultless before his throne, but through God, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says here in Psalm 18, verses 46 to 48. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Let him be exalted. It is God that avengeth me and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent men. And every believer can cry that. Every believer. Look at that. The Lord liveth and blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation 
be exalted. Oh, is that not our cry? He lives. He's the true and living God. He's the one true and living God. And let him be exalted. And he's my rock. Is he yours? He's my rock. He's, he's my fortress. He's my deliverer. Is it so for you? Praise his mighty name if it is. And if he isn't, I pray that God would make it so. Be his will. Oh, I pray it would. Let's go back to our text in Psalm 18 too. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my strength, and whom I will trust. Look at that. He's my God. He's not just my God by creation. No, he's my God too by regeneration. He's, I'm born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, and so are you by his almighty power. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He's granted us faith to believe in the one true living God. He's revealed himself to us. He's my God. And each believer can say that. He's my God. My Elohim there. He's my Elohim. He's my strength. He's the mighty one. Now look what it says. The Lord is my strength. Here's another reason for us to love Christ. Because he's my strength in whom I will trust. Now there may be a time in our past when we trusted in our own strength or we trusted in religion, or trusted in a certain church, or people nowadays, they trust in their baptism, or they they trust that they were born of Christian parents. Men trust in their wealth. Men trust in their strength. Men trust in their intellect. Those are all false refuges. Those are all false refuges. For the believer, the Lord is our strength. And the word here translated strength is not the same as... Hebrew word is in verse 1. The word strength in verse 1 means powerful or strong. Here the word strength means rock. He's my rock. When we lived in Oregon, we used to go to the coast. And let me tell you, there's some big rocks off the coast of Oregon. Huge rocks. And Vicki and I like to just sit there by the beach and watch the waves crash in. It was just incredible. You just see the majestic power of what he's made. And I had read Spurgeon one time, and he said, the waves clap in adoration to the Lord. That never left me. Every time I went to the coast, I just thought, creation's just clapping in adoration of the Lord. But there used to be these huge rocks just off from the coast, maybe, I don't know, two, three hundred feet off there, sometimes further. Huge rocks. And I used to watch those, and the water just just pound against those rocks, and they, they're not moving. And I always thought that about our king. That's the kind of rock when I see this. That's the kind of rock I think about. That water's just crashing. The storms of life are just crashing against that rock. It's not moving. The water drips off it, runs down back into the ocean, and off it goes. And that rock is still there and hasn't moved at all. My, this is, this is our God. He's our strength in whom I will trust. He's our rock. And this again denotes Christ being our hiding place. He's our hiding place. He's our refuge. And never forget that Christ is a refuge that is sure. He's a sure refuge. Other refuge have I none hangs my lowly head on thee. He's the only refuge. He's the city of refuge. That's why the city of refuge is such a clear picture of Christ. It breaks down in the sense when there's multiple cities. But if you look at the city of refuge and you go into that city and you're safe, that picture's Christ. Here comes the accuser of death. Once you get in them doors... The accuser of death has no claim on you. Now think of this too. When the high priest dies, our high priest died for us, then the, the person that's in the city of refuge is released to go free. Christ died for us, beloved, and we're set free. The son shall make you free. You'll be free indeed. Free indeed. Oh my. Then Christ is our rock. 
He's our defense. And we march forward under his banner. Look at the same psalm here, Psalm 18. Look at verses 31 to 36. This was a reality for David. We see this further down here in this psalm. Psalm 18, verses 31 to 36. For who is God save the Lord? Jehovah. There's no God but Jehovah. None. Who is God but Jehovah? No one. He's the one true living God. Or who is a rock save our God? Save our Elohim. There's no other rock. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. And that's Christ. And thy right hand hath holden me up. And that's Christ. And thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. Now, the gods of the heathens, little g's, they're just rock. They're just dumb idols. They can't speak. They can't move. They're just idols, dumb idols, shewn out of rock. And when they want to be moved, they don't just start waddling away. No. Those who worship them, and think of this, too. Think of the blindness. And I can't say anything because I was, I was blinded, too, by all this stuff. When, say, the owner of that piece of rock wants to move, well, he's got to take his God off that mantle, and he's got to put him in a bag or something and carry him away. Nothing but a false idol. False idol made of rock or stone or wood. Nothing. Our God is the rock of ages, the one true living God in whom we trust. And, and David says here, in whom I will trust. And every believer says that, eh? in whom we will trust. Deuteronomy says this, 32, 31, for their rock is not as our rock. Little rock, the first one, for their rock, small r, is not our rock, capital R. Even our enemies themselves being judges, Deuteronomy 32, 31. Christ is the only one we can trust for the salvation of our eternal souls. He's the one true and living God. Scripture declares this, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The believer in Christ, although we are like this in life, right? Up and down. We have a peace though, don't we? That we're given by God and that peace comes from God. He keeps us in perfect peace. There's times that I go through now that I would have freaked out in before the Lord saved me. I'm not kidding you. And now the Lord gives me a peace that I can't explain. Now, do I still have anxiety and get worked up? Oh yeah, I'm human. Of course. We do, don't we? As you heard me say many times, the first thing, what's the first thing when a situation comes up? Oh my, what am I going to do, right? And then, and then we get convicted and we're like, Lord, this is out of my hands, right? And we, I come to my senses. I like to say that. I come to my senses, right? Okay, Lord, the battle's yours. It's not mine. It's yours. And he's our rock. He's proven it time and time and time again that Christ is the strong and mighty one. He's proven it to us, hasn't he? time and time and time again. And for the believer, we know he is the only one who's able to save. Him alone, Christ and him alone. There's no other savior but Christ, none. He's the covenant savior, redeemer, and surety of his people, whom the Father gave him in eternity. And we say, praise his mighty name. Let's go look at verse two again. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Now, here's another reason for us to love Christ. The Lord is my buckler. Again, I think I mentioned this last week, that the buckler 
was a small round shield that was carried by light infantry in ancient days. And it was carried by light infantry because they were quick, mobile, reactive soldiers. So they would get flying in and they could act quick. And with a light shield and a sword, they could react very quickly. But they, of course, had light armor on, so they were susceptible to different attacks. So they would go in, say, after the arrows were shot. Then goes in the light infantry like that. And they carried a small shield called a buckler. Look at verse 30 of this same psalm. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. He's our shield. and He quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one, doesn't he? Yeah, he does it. If we didn't have him as our shield, we'd be done. But he's our shield. Look at that. To all those that trust in him. Have you trusted him? Do you trust in him right now? Oh, I pray God make it so. And how is the Lord our shield? Well, think of this. Think of this. Oh my, think of this. Christ shielded us from the wrath of God. He shielded us from the wrath of God. You know, in the old days, they used to go with their shields before them. The Romans would actually lock their shields together, and they became almost an impenetrable wall. And in the gaps, they would stick their swords out through the gaps and close it up again. And those enemies, they would just beat upon those shields. Think of this, how Christ, the wrath of God, just fell upon him, and we're, we're like behind the shield, which is Christ. And not only did it all fall upon him, he consumed it in our place. Oh, what a mighty shield is our king. What a mighty shield. He shielded us from the wrath of God. He shielded us from the justice of God. When he died in our room and place as our substitute. He died in the room and place of his people on Calvary's cross. And he did it willingly. He willingly bore the wrath of God as a shield for his people. Willingly. Look at verse 35 of this same psalm. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. That's Christ. He's the shield of our salvation, beloved. And thy right hand hath holden me up. That's Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the right hand of God. And thy gentleness hath made me great. We're kings and princes, beloved. All because of Christ. Think of this, too. Think back that, that Christ is the shield and he has consumed the wrath of God. For us, and none that are behind that shield, which is Christ, shall ever suffer condemnation. Never. Because all that was due us fell upon Christ, our buckler, our shield. What a Savior. The next reason we see in this text here for us to love Christ is because he's the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. It just builds up to a crescendo, doesn't it, beloved? The horn is, to animals, the means of defense. It's an instrument of power to animals that have horns. And their strength lies in their horns. Hence, the word here is used in this way as elsewhere to represent that which we owe our protection and our defense too. See, we as believers are powerless against our enemies in ourselves. But what we've seen here is Christ is our defense. Christ is our shield and buckler. And God is David's strength. God is David's strength. God is David's power. God is David's defense. And Christ saves with eternal, immutable power, unchanging power. And his salvation is just as immutable, just as eternal as he is. 
I remember, I, I think I mentioned this last week too. I'm going to mention it again. Robert Murray McShane said that the believer in Christ is just as secure as those in glory. The believer in Christ on this earth is just as secure as those in glory. Just we haven't been translated yet. We haven't walked through death's door yet. But as far as secure in Christ, we're just as secure as them. Isn't that amazing? Sinners? Saved sinners are just as secure as those in glory? Yep, because we're all in Christ. That's amazing. And the reason we're just as secure as the saints in glory is because our salvation is in no way dependent upon us. In no way at all. It's all dependent upon Christ. So none who have Christ for their shield shall ever suffer condemnation or defeat. And all we can say is praise his mighty name. Let's look at the next reason in this verse we see to love Christ. It says here, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. We see here that the Lord is our high tower. Now the Hebrew word here is defined as a high place, a high place, a place of refuge, a secure place, a secure height, a retreat. That's what it all is in the Hebrew, a stronghold. Now this Hebrew word is translated defense seven times in the Old Testament, in refuge five times, in tower three times. Christ is the believer's high tower. He's our refuge. He's our defense. So what comfort and what peace the sinner can find in Christ and Christ alone? What a refuge we have in Christ. We have a refuge from the law of God. We have a refuge from the wrath of God. We have a refuge from our own sins. We have a refuge from the trials and tribulations of this world. And beloved, we have an eternal refuge, an unchanging refuge. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as our refuge, he's an eternal refuge, isn't he? He's an eternal refuge. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 6. What a refuge we have. And all who have fled the Christ have found a refuge like no other. Because Christ is a sure refuge. Again, he's an eternal refuge. Those who trust in their strength or, or their riches or their intellect are trusting in things that will fade away. They're only temporal. But Christ is eternal. He's eternal. He's an eternal refuge for his people. Hebrews chapter 6, let's read verses 17 to 20. We're in God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us well who's the hope set before us that's Christ Christ is the hope set before us and that how it says who have fled for refuge isn't that wonderful we fled for refuge to Christ why because we were made willing in the day of God's power he gets all the glory. He gets it all. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. When I was little, we were, had a little 14-foot aluminum boat. We'd go on the channels in Ontario, go fishing. My dad said, drop the anchor, Wayne. So I'd be at the front of the boat there. This thing was, it was huge to me, but it wasn't really that big. But to me, as a little guy, it was big. You know, six or seven years old, I'd grab that anchor. And he'd be chuckling in the back. You know, you grab the anchor and you, you drop it. You almost go over with it but you drop it in the water and, and you know what that anchor held down there? And we just floated around in a circle as the waves moved us. We didn't move from that place. That anchor was sure. Well, what a picture of Christ. He's a sure anchor. 
He's a sure anchor. If you have Christ as your refuge, you have a sure anchor, beloved. You have a sure anchor, which we hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that veil, that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our Lord has gone on before us. He's our high tower. He's in glory. He's so far above us right now. He always has been so far above us, but he's in glory. And where, where the head is, the body soon falls, so one day we're going to be with him. We're going to be with him. My. And look at verse 3 here. Look at verse 3 here in Psalm 18. David, the psalmist, closes with this. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. He says here, I'll call upon the Lord. Well, he cites two reasons why he calls upon the Lord here. Number one, he's worthy to be praised. Our great God is worthy to be praised. He's the only one worthy of our praise. There's no one else worthy of our praise but God. Second reason is so shall I be saved from mine enemies. And oh, how we've been delivered from our own sin. How we've been delivered from the law of God, which had a rightful claim on us. How we've been delivered from the wrath of God. How we've been delivered constantly in this life from trials and tribulations, which come our ways. How we've been delivered. He says, I will call upon the Lord, that's Jehovah, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Note, our Lord alone is worthy to be praised. And he is the only one who is worthy to be praised. And note here too, I was struck by this as I read John Gill on this, that John Gill brings up the fact that the psalmist here, uh, no, actually it was Spurgeon in his, um, his commentary on the Psalms. He brings forth here how David mixes prayer with praise. He says, I will call upon the Lord. There's the prayer. Who is worthy to be praised? There's the praise. He mixes prayer and praise together. And do we not do that when we cry out to our God too? We mix prayer with praise, don't we? There'll be some times where we just pray into the Lord and all of a sudden we just start praising him. We just start praising our God as he lays upon us the great things he's done for us. I will call upon the Lord, and the only way we do that is by God's grace and mercy. Never forget that. Isn't that amazing? That's God's amazing grace at work. Who's worthy to be praised? Now in this verse, the psalmist resolves to invoke the Lord in joyful song. In joyful song. Believing that all future conflicts that he goes through, that God's going to deal with it. Right? What Brother Drew say? Stand back and watch the sovereign work. That's true. That's something for us to remember, isn't it? No matter what comes our way. It's hard for us to remember that sometimes when we're going through things, but it's a good thing for us to remember. And this is a good verse for us. I will call upon the Lord. When? All the time, no matter what situation I find myself in. Because he's worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from my enemies time and time and time again. It just never stops, does it? And then one day, we'll be delivered from the great enemy of death that has no sting anymore. And we'll be in glory forever with the Lord. Oh, my. And this all comes about by the Lord's power, by his almighty power and strength. And we who believe again have seen this happen time and time and time again. And David had such faith that he could fight singing Spurgeon said this, David had such faith that he could fight singing and win the battle with a song still upon his lips. May that be true for us, knowing that the Lord is ever going before us. And you know what? I'm going to close with this. We receive fresh mercy every day. 
You know that? Scripture says the Lord's mercies are new every morning. We receive fresh mercy every day from our great God. And that's why he's worthy to be praised. That alone is why he's worthy to be praised. What a happy thought to think that we receive fresh mercy each day. And we already have a heart that's aware of the mercy which we've received from our great God. But we can enjoy this mercy, can't we? We don't have to walk around with long faces. That's one thing before the Lord saved me when I was younger. You know, some religious people, and, and now I know why they had faces like that. They walked around with faces that were all down. Well, no wonder they were so burdened with things they had to do. Man, the Lord fills us with joy, doesn't he? May God make us joyful people. May we be reminded that he alone is worthy of our praise. No fear or doubting with Christ on our side. We hope to die shouting, the Lord will provide. And he provides dying grace, doesn't he, to his people. He provides grace every day in our lives. And then when death comes, he'll provide us with dying grace, Praise his mighty name.